All right, it's the summer of shots, and the summer of shots is coming to a close. We're closing it out with a double shot edition right here on Liquid Gold. This is our season finale, season three, as far as I know. I'm losing count. We're going to be shifting into a whole new thing this fall where we're going to talk to all these authors and writers, some of our favorites, some of our inspirations. So look forward to that as we get the new season underway. But we it's still summer, okay? I, like, I've seen people dropping fall menus. I don't know what's going on with that, but it's still summer. I'm here with our cocktail correspondent extraordinaire, Miss Jessica Backus. Jess, how are you? Mike Wall. <laughs> so good to hear from you and so good to be here. Always a pleasure to have you on. You are a master of beverage. And um, today we are going to be talking about one of our absolute favorite drinks and then also one cocktail that we're just perplexed about. And we're going to dive into what exactly it is. We're talking about the Honey Deuce. We're going to talk about this tennis inspired beverage as the U.S. Open is going on. This is the official drink of the U.S. Open as the Pimm's Cup is to Wimbledon, as the Mint Julep is to the Kentucky Derby. The Honey Deuce uh, is to the U.S. Open. So we thought we'd dive into that one. We're also going to cover the Paloma, which is just one of the most fantastic beverage creations. So many different ways you can talk about the Paloma. But first, Jess, I know you just started at the longboard (laughs) and you're open. You threw the doors open. You were having lots of fun talking about creating all these beverages. Now you're serving, from what I hear. 300 to 400 people a night. So tell me, how's it been at the Longboard? You're busy. It's We're busy, you know, Sullivan's Island. So technically we're the Longboard Sullivan's Island because there is a Longboard okay. St. John. But uh, people have been waiting for us to open. And so it's been great. And so we have a good, you know, combination of people living on the island, people visiting the island. It's not a big island, so. <laughs> There's only a few places to eat there unless you know someone who lives there and they invite you to their house. Mm, but gosh. it's just, you know, it's a good vibe. It's even if you weren't at the beach, it feels like you're at the beach and really nice, fresh seafood and vegetables representing the low country and kind of the influence of, you know, oceanic sort of places in the world. And so it's it's hard to not like what you do when you get to share things like that and make people happy and you know, that's the one thing going back to when Chopper, we finally threw open the doors. The thing that struck me most was the joy that those kind of drinks bring to people. People just they light up. You look around the whole room and everyone's smiling yeah. and you're like, wow, yeah. I don't know if coconut and pineapple could really do that, but it can't. It's like getting to and go it will. On, an, on an hour long <laughs> vacation. You know? Yeah. So I like to picture you like. You're like Tom Cruise in cocktail, just <laughs> flinging bottles around and winking at people and. You know, what's your favorite drink so far? Oh, uh, my favorite. I mean, it's hard for me to say that because then someone will be like, well, you know, what do you like this or that? But Mm -hmm. the one I'm partial to right now, it's called the Heart and Soul. And I think it originated at the Longboard in St. John. But it's uh, basically it's a tequila drink that is uh, tequila infused with grilled pineapple and grilled uh, Serrano chilies. And then they mix that with a little bit of... uh, pineapple juice and honey syrup and lime and a little smoked salt on the rim and a fresh slice of pineapple to garnish it so you can eat your garnishes like we love to do yeah and it's uh wow yeah that sounds amazing yeah all right now we we thought we would dive into this drink the hit the the honey deuce uh the u.s open signature cocktail because we just thought we'd never really heard about that much about it i've definitely in all my years bartending no one has ever come up to me you know, and I haven't worked the U.S. Open, so to be fair, but no one's ever come up to be like, can I get a honey deuce? 
because <laughs> right. a lot well, of bartenders would probably those... be like, uh, I don't know what that is. Right. <laughs> but we're going to tell it's you. It's not one of those cocktails that's shrouded in mystery like so many old historic cocktails. It's <laughs> You don't really dive into totally. it. You sort of step into the three foot deep pool of it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's a vodka cocktail. So one cool thing about this drink, it's the 15th anniversary of this cocktail. So this goes back to 2006 when Grey Goose, the sponsor of the U.S. Open, they reached out to a man named Nick Matone, super successful restaurateur, barman, author, consultant. Guy has done a lot of cool stuff. He was a managing partner at the Gramercy Tavern, and uh, he was tasked with coming up with the perfect drink for the U.S. Open and a drink, we should note, a drink that needed to be able to be served in the thousands. So they were going to have to make a thousands of these. So he didn't want a lot of prep work. Basically, let's just let's just go over real quick before we get into some more of the history. This is a this is a pretty simple drink of about an ounce and a half of vodka, three to four ounces of lemonade, a half ounce or so of a raspberry liqueur. We would recommend the St. George raspberry for this. It's really tasty if you can find it. Um, and then one of the things that's cool about this drink, so you would just stir those three three ingredients together. You garnish this with green honeydew melon little balls on a skewer. So three of those honeydew melon balls on a skewer meant to look like tennis balls, which took Jess and I about six hours of research to figure out. (laughs) Six minutes of research to figure out that that's what they were doing because we were like, what are these melon balls? I don't get it. But then we realized tennis balls. There's a really good Vogue article about the creation of this drink, Nick Matone was out uh, at the Hamptons in his like test kitchen at his house working on different uh, iterations of this drink. He walked by the Shinnecock Farmer's Market, saw a huge carton of mini spherical honeydew melons, and it caught his eye. He said, oh my God, those look exactly like iridescent tennis balls. So he had his garnish, and then he had to kind of reverse engineer what this drink was going to be. So it's super simple. It's It sounds like just crushable. In this article, there's a quote from him, quote, you get the fruit from the raspberry liqueur, you get the tartness from the lemonade, and you get the clean f- flavors of the Grey Goose. It's balanced is what it really comes down to, and it goes extremely well with whatever food you're having on that day. So this is a very easy pleaser cocktail. But uh, Jess, we've got some 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 things up our sleeve of how we could really make this next level well i think so i mean first of all i think that to give credit to nick and give credit to the cocktail you know being able to create something on such a large scale but then also having it be delicious enough that it appeals to such a broad audience that you are selling tens of thousands every year i mean good on you you know Um, that being said, we talk about fun variations of many cocktails that we, uh, that we go over and that we enjoy. And really we are just giving fun options to a classic recipe that we really love. So this is a little bit different in the sense that, (laughs) you know, (laughs) if you handed me a vodka lemonade with a little raspberry in it, um, when I was out doing something, I'd be like, yeah, I'd probably drink that or I'll take a sip and hand it to somebody else or, you know, not during pandemic times would I take a sip and then hand it to somebody else. But you and I have very uh, informed and practiced ideas about lemonade. 
And so I think yes. that's where, where it starts. And your episode, if, if anybody hasn't listened to your last episode, it's an amazing one. Um, yes, hot on. I didn't even mention that because I'm an idiot. Hot on the heels of our lemonade episode. This is uh, this is one of the reasons that we decided to take on this drink. Um, so yeah, go back and check out the idiot. lemonade you're recipe. A genius. <laughs> and every time I think or uh, talk about lemonade or enjoy lemonade, I think of you. And I think of when we started the lemonade at Husk, and how your first mm. description of it, which I absolutely love, is the difference between it and what most people think of lemonade is that we do it country fair style, which means we put a good uh, few pinches of sea salt into it and it creates that savory, mouth-watery, make you wanna drink more, make you wanna eat things. So it's essentially uh, just priming you for your next beverage or your next food, which you know is good for enjoyment and also good for people who are selling it to you because they, you know they're gonna sell you more. Which is also totally. why the Honey Deuce is such a brilliant cocktail, because it's refreshing and it's going to make you want to drink more. And I think they probably totally. put those drinks on the lower end of that ounce to ounce and a half of vodka so that you don't get hammered and you can keep buying them. Oh, I'm sure there's been plenty of stories of people who are like, I remember having a couple of these Honey Deuces and then I'm not sure what happened after right. that. You know, like I'm sure there are people who... right. Like, if they're like drink like four of these things without even thinking about it. I was going to say, they, they remember having a couple, but they probably had like seven. And they're like, yeah. I also don't know what happened to the $300 I brought to the U.S. Open. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I had, uh, God, I only had two hot dogs and eight honey yeah. deuces. I don't know what yeah. happened. And then I ended up, you know, on a boat. Yeah. So I think if you start with good lemonade, then it's really hard to screw this cocktail up. Um, but you know, my, I completely understand the visual appeal of the honeydew melons as the garnish, but being mm. a, uh, believer in an advocate for nose to tail, uh, cocktailery as well as cooking and things like that, I feel like you should be incorporating the honeydew somehow into the drink too. So if I had the wherewithal sure. to do this and I had the time and the resources, which I've created a recipe that we're going to talk about as theoretical oh. because I'm going to try it out on my weekend this weekend. I'm very excited about it now, but uh, oh, basically awesome. like, you know, once you ball that melon and you have all those scraps of delicious honeydew left over, why not juice them, put them into a blender or if you have a vegetable juicer, juice them and then yes. add that into your lemonade. Do a little like honey, I mean, honeydew and lemon and salt together. Just make sure you put a little bit of sea salt in there. So, yes. Yeah. Um, and I think oh, I that, that to me would make me feel more comfortable with the idea of having an, a garnish, you know, that was very visual for the occasion, but also, you know, actually functional for the cocktail. Definitely. And we, sh we should mention, given our credit to Nick Matone, I'll just say it a couple of different ways. I can edit it later. <laughs> he did say that one, of, you know, one of the reasons that they attribute this cocktail to being such a smash success, it was so popular the first year and it's super popular every year, is the garnish. He really, you know, he was like, people start looking around and seeing those little tennis balls on picks and they just want to order it. One. So yeah. But yeah, do you wanna do you wanna go over your recipe? Sure. Yeah. So uh okay. my recipe for this is really um just sending a nod and giving a little respect to one of our current best tennis players in the world, um, Naomi Osaka. So I'm gonna do a little Japanese yes. little, uh, Asian riff on this honeydew. Um 
So, you know, with your infused lemonade inspiration, um, the current mm. things that are thriving in my herb garden right now are little holy basil and lemon balm and sorrel. Um, so that's what I was, I would make, I do my lemonade just like, I think I do it slightly less watery and more sort of tart than, uh, what we mm -hmm. used to do the original recipe. So I basically mm -hmm. do like a, a one-to-one of sugar and lemon and then three parts between three and four, but I start with three parts of water just so it doesn't cool. end up too watery, you know? Um, and mm -hmm. that's a good, like kind of all on minute one, especially cause if you're going to add ice to it or anything like that, then it'll, or soda water or something like that to kind of add a little fizz to it, you know, then that stronger concentration. So, but also I really like yes. your idea of putting a little bit of honey in there for the historic lemonade kind of, uh, thing. And anytime we can use honey and support bees and everything like that, I'm always a fan of that. So kind of splitting my sugar with honey. Um, and do basically okay. like a cup, like a, a third a cup of honey and two thirds a cup of sugar and kind of put that into a cup of lemon juice. So the lemon juice, you know, the sugar absorbs the lemon a little bit and then add uh, maybe a cup of honeydew juice and two cups of water just to start off and see how that goes. And then you mm -hmm. can always add a little more mm. water, a little more lemon just to, to, to taste and about three heavy pinches of like any kind of sea salt, but since we're doing a little, um, you know, Asian influence, I thought, you know, Himalayan pink sea salt might be tasty and real bright. Oh, real yes. Bright and springy, you know? And yes. And then uh, steep that with the herbs. And, and then because we're uh, giving credit to Japan, who does everything very elegantly and very wonderfully, if you want to use mm -hmm. vodka, I really like the Suntory Haku vodka, which is uh, distilled from rice. Um, but as you and I have mm. said, you know, we really like any that drink that's good with vodka is probably better with gin. So the, uh, it's, it's we hate to say it, but it's the true. The Roku gin that Centauri makes is really amazing. And it's it's steeped with botanicals that would lend themselves really nicely to lemonade and also to honeydew um, and also to berries. So, mm. um, you know, and like you said, the St. George raspberry liqueur is absolutely awesome, but I also like things a little bitter. So if you want to do, and I like the, the effect of, instead of just making it look like a pink lemonade doing the float. So it kind of drizzles down through the drink and sinks to the bottom a little bit. And so maybe float For a sure. little bit of cookie rosa. So you get a little of that bitter, rosy, gingery kind of thing going on with it. Mm -hmm. um, or if you happen to live in Nashville or have access to Honey Tree Mead, their bouquet toss that's the hibiscus and rose, you know, beautiful red colored mead that they make to do a little bit of float that, of that as well. That'd be a great yeah. option. Yes. So I love it. So there it is. And then of course, garnish it with the melon balls because they look like tennis balls. And if you, if you eat that and then you have that delicious, you know, raspberry or hibiscus vodka or gin lemonade to go along with it, then, you know, a drink and a snack all That's in awesome. one for your hot day enjoying tennis. I had this idea that, so I love this. So yours, we could call it the Osaka honeydews. Yeah. yeah I like that. I had this idea that like I was trying to figure out how you could make the melon balls look even more like tennis balls with like laces. And then I thought, what if you took now this would be this would take a long time. Maybe I'll do this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what my weekend's looking like yet. It's a little busy, but you could take the pith from a lemon that white 
and kind of wrap that just ever so slightly around the, the melon ball. Then you're going to get fresh bitterness in there, which might be really nice if you're going to pile on some sweetness. If you are going to use a liqueur, if you're going to make, maybe you make your lemonade a little sweeter. Yeah. I don't know. Um, that was one little idea I had of how you could get the laces yeah. in there. But my, um, my variation for this, I would do Plymouth Gin, super clean, super soft, not going to overwhelm anything. And then for my lemonade, you know, I'll go ahead and go with your one-to-one sugar to lemon and then say three to four ounces of water. I like that. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some raspberries and add it to the lemonade. And then I'm going to muddle that up and stir that around and let that sit for a couple hours or overnight or however long, 30 minutes, however much time you can let that sit in there and then strain that out. So you have this like raspberry lemonade essentially. And then if you're, if you're able to find this, it comes in small bottles. So you don't have to buy a bunch of it. It's not super expensive, but it is incredible. It's basically like raspberry perfume, but uh, Clear Creek's Frambois, their raspberry eau de vie is incredible. And so I'm going to add a teaspoon of that. You don't need much. Um, but if you had a teaspoon of that and with your raspberry lemonade, you're going to get this real nuanced but really beautiful raspberry flavor. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I'm doing the Plymouth Gin, the raspberry lemonade, a little bit of raspberry eau de vie, and then I'll do the honeydew melon ball skewer garnish. I'm going to try to wrap some lemon pith around the uh, melon balls. And then I thought um, to drizzle in, I was going to drizzle in potentially some uh, the cherry syrup from your from your maraschino cherries. Um, I thought that could be cool. There's so many herbs like you like you mentioned that would be great with this. But my favorite would be lemon verbena. So lemon verbena would give you so much like peppery. Um, one other option of getting raspberries into this drink, if you wanted to just use regular lemonade, you could do a raspberry. Uh, lemon oleo saccharum, where you take the peels from one lemon, a couple tablespoons of sugar, and then say three to four raspberries and muddle that up and then let that sit overnight. And then you'll have raspberry and lemon oil to add. And that will blow your mind. Essentially, like you're making, you could make like two to three drinks from that oleo using like a teaspoon per drink. And that would probably blow minds. Blow minds. You've, you've blown my mind right now already. So we're going to be crushing honey deuces. We were, we were not necessarily thrilled about covering it. We just now thought I'm we excited. had to, but I now we're excited. To go try to make we're like, lemonade. I'm going to like go to uh, some tennis courts nearby when people are playing. I'm going to be like, Hey, yeah. and I'll like yeah. have a cooler. I'll be like, I'm just going to sit here and drink honey deuces while you guys Heck play yeah. tennis. Oh my goodness. <laughs> if any of our listeners do that, please let us know on yeah, social media. Picture, Follow us. us definitely at liquid gold underscore pod. Hit us up liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. Now, we've talked about how how important citrus oil can be, how how um, we've always talked about that, but this drink that we're about to talk about, one of the most delicious cocktails ever created, the Paloma. Super popular, really amazing. We talk about salt a lot, and salt's a big part of this drink. It also can be a very sweet drink, but the Paloma, the origins of the Paloma are pretty murky. 
Um, a lot of people, uh, and actually there's a Daily Beast article, if you go back, that David Wondrich wrote 2018, I think it was. And um, he talks about how Squirt came to Mexico around 1955. And that's probably when people started mixing it with tequila liberally um, in Mexico. But if you want to look at a, a Paloma Master, I'm going to point you towards the man who created the Batanga, which was a specialty drink in the town of Tequila. He ran, his name was uh, Don Javier Delgado Corona, and his bar was La Capilla in the town of Tequila. And he became famous for this Batanga drink, which is essentially tequila, lime juice, Coca-Cola, and ice with a salted rim. Now his, while we're talking about the citrus oil, his secret for this drink, and then what became his Paloma was just to swap out the Mexican squirt for the Coca-Cola. But his trick is that he has this big steel knife that he uses to mix these drinks. It's essentially like a big sharp <laughs> muddler slash stir. And so what he'll do, Jess, is he cuts the lime in half juices it right there to order with one of those hand crank juicers, just juices it right into the glass. And then when he's stirring this drink with the tequila, the lime, and the soda, he's using the knife to stir it. And that's the biggest thing. And that's something that if you're if you're making drinks at home and you're juicing things to order, like a lot of times we do when we're just making, say, one drink or two drinks, Really try this out. So take that knife, make sure it's clean, doesn't have like garlic residue or anything like that, like <laughs> mine do sometimes. You have to pick out, just grab another knife, maybe another cutting board, and use use that knife that you use to cut the citrus because those citrus oils, they get all over the knife just the minute that you cut. And so this was a really smart thing this guy was doing back in the uh, mid-50s, mid-60s in tequila, Mexico. There's a million variations that we could do on this drink, but Jess, what do you love about oh, the Paloma? What do you not love about the Paloma? I just, it's amazing. I love it. And that's, I mean, the the stirring with the knife with the citrus oil on it, that's epic. I mean, that's a that's game changing, yeah. you know? I mean, that is, and that's one of the things I think that, you know, I remember your episode talking to Robert ages ago about making mezcal old fashions and the difference was just the grapefruit peel oh, yeah. because of that tingliness. You know, and grapefruit is just such it's it's good for you and it's delicious and it's versatile. So the combination of tequila and grapefruit and salt and effervescence, I mean, it's you can't go wrong. The funny thing is, is that like squirt whenever I can find me uh, Mexican squirt in a store, I buy it and I usually buy two and I'll just stash it in my fridge until the day I'm craving a Paloma because it's one totally. of those drinks, like all the good drinks that has so many different recipes and you can make it very involved and you can shake it with agave and grapefruit juice and top it with soda and this and that. But one of my favorite things is just to pour tequila into Mexican squirt, <laughs> put a little pinch of Maldon salt in there, you know, and you can't, you can't, yeah, go, you, you could do a so lot delicious worse. And it's so easy if you're not in the mood to get out all your tools and make a fancy cocktail, but you want something that's delicious and refreshing done. Yeah. And I just did, um, for this dinner with edible Nashville that we did out at Hockland Hill out in Jolton. I did my watermelon Paloma, which is from, which I have in the book, Barantined, which Jess is in. 
uh, recipes, tips, and stories to enjoy at home. Bunch of cool home bar stuff in there. A lot of thoughts on the pandemic. But let me go through this recipe real quick that's in the book and that I used um, Insolito Tequila for this last event. And they are, it's the guys from the band Midland that have this new tequila that just came into the market here in Nashville um, over the summer. And uh, it's really good, really good tequila. And as we say, tequila is unfair. Why? Because it goes with everything. It makes drinks more delicious and it's uh, it, it'll stimulate your night. Um, <laughs> but basically, I did two ounces of Insolito Blanco, one ounce of watermelon juice strained. Now, you could easily take that up to two ounce watermelon juice. Watermelon juice is one of those things that like, you know when you've gone a little bit too far if it's going to take over, but it takes a lot of watermelon to like take over the flavor of something. So anywhere between one ounce and two ounces of watermelon juice, however strong you want to, or how, however, um, I guess, light and watermelony you want it. And then a uh, three quarter ounce of fresh lime juice, a quarter ounce of light agave syrup. You don't need a ton. If you're using the light agave, it's super sweet, pretty high bricks. You don't need a ton of it in the drink. And then um, I used a little basil and mint kind of stirred that in. And then I topped it with this guava sparkling water for this event. And so we had, um, for lack of a better word, a really nice, like exotic tasting, like really kind of tropical tasting Paloma. Um, so that's just one example of what you can do because with all these different flavors of sparkling water now, like you could get, my, my wife loves the coconut yeah. flavor of sparkling water. So you could do like a reposado and coconut and lime and toasted coconut with salt on the rim. There's there's so many different ways to make this seemingly simple drink, the Paloma, that it's kind of overwhelming, all the different things you can do. And I feel like the, the craft version that was really becoming popular, I'd say starting like, what, eight to 10 years ago, seemed like people were really starting to freak out about Palomas. But basically, bartenders were doing the tequila, the lime, the grapefruit juice, and then some sort of sweetener. And so it was just sort of more of a focused, more of a fresh flavored drink and then topping it with just yeah. regular soda. So you could definitely do that and just get your grapefruit flavor from juice or from peel. Um, but I do think that the lime and this master of the Paloma in Tequila, Mexico, one of his, the keys, not only using that knife, but also just juicing the lime to order because the 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 uh, Jaritos Mexican grapefruit soda and the Mexican squirt are sweet. They are very sweet. Now, what I love about Mexican squirt is it's like, it's almost like that juicy fruit thing. It's like it's like juicy, but just like so dang yeah. delicious. And you still get, I think the difference between that, that and other grapefruit sodas, including the Jaritos and including, you know, the other was it like Fresca or whatever, but the is that it has the pithiness too. So you get that sort of like grapefruit pithiness with the flavor of it. But yeah, I I love the the squeezing the lime into it and even just like cutting a cheek off of your lime like you would squeeze over your tacos or something and drop the cheek in and then stir it because then you don't have a huge piece of lime inside your drink, mm -hmm. but you get all the oils off the cheek. And then again, if you stir with the knife, which now I'm going to do forever. <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. Uh, the video, if you want to look up the video on YouTube, just make sure you'll find it a lot easier if you include tequila taste. Because I think it was tequilataste.com who, who went to this gentleman's bar about 10 years ago is how old the video is. Um, I hope he's still around. 
But uh, he's an old gentleman. He's super cute and makes this amazing Paloma and stirs with the knife. That is the key. Some other variations that you can do on Palomas, just with the citrus, Jess, like if you think of the grapefruit as this, basically a combination of orange and uh, breed it with pomelo. pomelo. It was a combination of orange and pomelo. And so if you go to an Asian grocery store or a, or a, a Latin grocery store, a lot of times you can find these pomelos. So you could use those. They have like a rose aroma to them. You can, you know, you can change the flavor of this drink by how you do the salt and what you might add to the salt. Like for a long time, I loved to just mix spicy seasonings up into the salt. So red pepper flakes, Aleppo, cayenne, chipotle pepper um, is what I did for that event. And I just think that just gives it a nice zippiness. And then you can you can pack so much flavor into this drink that Yeah, or yeah. tahini. My my new favorite thing because oh, yes. it's got all the it's got the chilies, it's got the salt, it's got citric acid, and it has black lime in it. It's got lime powder in it as well. So you hit all those things. So it's yes. I mean you can I love making fun salts from scratch, but tahinas, it's like it's like the tequila isn't fair version of like uh, rimming salts and finishing salts because it's got the whole package. Totally, totally. And you do get, you do get, I've got it, I've got it here too. And I have used that for, before too. And one thing I love about it is mm -hmm. you get a lot of lime flavor when, when you use that stuff. That stuff is powerful. powerful. I think spicy Palomas were the first like really popular spicy totally. tequila drink. You know, you can add, you know, anything from cayennes to habaneros to jalapenos. You know, it doesn't take much to shake in a couple peppers and make your Paloma super spicy. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a no brainer. And it's one of the drinks that I'd say my wife and I, we make the most at home because it's it's just super easy. You know, you could it's easy. It's delicious. Anything else on uh, Paloma? Now I want one. Gosh, I feel like <laughs> I know. I mean, just now, not I know. all I mean, gosh, day. you could do... Just, you know, now I want a Paloma. <laughs> you know, it's so different now than, uh, than it was, you know, eight, nine years ago when I feel like Palomas were getting real popular. It's so different now because there's just a million different sodas, sparkling waters, yeah. flavors. Some are more yeah. synthetic than others. But when you find a good one like that guava, I think it was LaCroix. La LaCroix, whatever it is, uh, their guava, it's really tasty. And then there's uh, there's just a million different flavors. There's like lemon and lime flavors that you could use that would be really good. There's just lime flavors. Um, there's plenty of grapefruit variations. I mean, even the San Pellegrino grapefruit soda is super sweet, but it's also yeah. super delicious. Oh, there's Those ones are good. The pomelo one that they have, I mean, it's bitter too, which is awesome. They're like those, That makes a good Paloma. I've made Palomas with that before. Same. You know, we actually were in Mexico one time and that was the only grapefruit soda we could find because it was more of a like resort type situation. So I went down to the little market thing and it was just it's like San Pellegrino. That's I was so like, funny. what? Where's the Mexican <laughs> squirt? I'm in Mexico. They looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, no, Tienes? Yeah. Squirt? <laughs> and they're like, God you fucking American. America. You can't yeah. have everything you want all the time. Okay. You can't have what you want all the time. Wow. Oh, man. Well, what uh, what are you going to be doing uh, this weekend? Well, I'll be making liquid dreams come true. Um, yeah. I got it. Excellent. 
couple days at the wine shop and then a couple days at the bar and then if you get some salty karen coming in that bar who's not into your tropical libations i want you to break out the honeydews I'm gonna put some I can't wait to it. We actually make we make some really cool. We make fresh lemonade and we make a cucumber basil lemonade that I think I talked about the last time when we were talking about it. And so Ooh. I'm gonna yeah, I'm definitely gonna make a honey deuce this weekend. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh man, I can't <laughs> wait. You better send me pictures because I, I think I'm I already I already uh, was texting with Adam Morgan over at Husk that I was like, you know, I don't know that I really want to pull this off at home or I don't know that I've got the time to make this happen. So I was like, I'm coming in. I'm be asking for some honey deuces. I want you to have the melons ready. I need my raspberry liqueur. And so I am now a Karen on the search for the honey deuce at Husk. So I'm be heading over there, there for, be a for it. And uh, they're going to be like, dude, yeah. I think Wolf's lost it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like Wolf's coming yep. in for vodka drinks now. Thanks so much for joining us, Jess. Um, our cocktail correspondent out of Charleston, making dreams come true at the Longboard. And make sure you go see her on Sullivan's Island. It's been a great season, Jess. We have covered chocolate. We have covered a lot of soda-related content, coffee, a lot of fun summery drinks here on the Summer of Shots. But uh, I'm also really looking forward to next season and talking about some of our favorite books and... I'm sure we'll, there'll be plenty of shots episodes that come up. Um, the Pendennis Club was one drink that I thought we should cover next season Sounds on good. shots. There's a lot of history going on with that one. So, I'm excited. Um, you, know, you and I love to read, and we've always shared a love of books, and we've always traded really cool books. So I, I can't wait to see what you have in store for all of us uh, this fall. Pull out some of your favorites, Jess, um, that we can talk about on the show. Um, just to give people a little preview, you know, one one book that we should talk about just next season is the Futurism book yeah, from Koki, totally. which is just like totally out there. It's edible garnishes. It's really strange cocktails with bananas, with eggs. But it was essentially a futurism movement um, that was uh, anti-fascist, that was very political in nature, that had cocktails um, as part of its center. So that's one book that we could that we could preview that we're going to get Heck into. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Jess, Always and an we will pleasure, see you soon. Mike. I love you, buddy. Love you. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much to Jess, our cocktail correspondent. Thanks so much to Kenneth Dedman and all his work on this season. He will be back for more booze news next season. We gave him most of the summer off so he could work on his tan. Uh, also got to throw a shout out to producer Michael Eads and everyone at We Own This Town, the We Own This Town podcast network over at WeOwnThisTown.net, where you can find a lot of our older shows. Go back, search through the archives, and if there's a drink that you're looking for some information on, we've done a lot of drinks over the past three seasons. So go back and check out all the informative content at WeOwnThisTown.net. Shout out to our resident artist, Jess Matchin. Find her on Instagram at Jess underscore Matchin. That's M-A-C-H-E-N. She did the liquid gold logo as well as some uh, really cool artwork for us and did the cover for Barantined, my new book out on Turner Publishing. Came out July 20th. You can find it at turnerpublishing.com, parnassusbooks.com, The Bookshop Nashville, anywhere you buy books, you can find it. I will be at the Nashville Cocktail Festival Saturday, September 11th. I will be there at Centennial Park. It starts at 7 o'clock. And I will have a gin drink on hand. Maybe I'll do the honeydew, so I'm not sure. See how the weather is. 
and I'll have signed books for sale and we'll be hanging out there at the Nashville Cocktail Festival. So plenty of events going on with that. I think it starts next Wednesday and goes through the weekend. Check that out. Nashville Cocktail Festival. Also got a cool little announcement here. I'll be joining the team at Audrey Sean Brock's new epic new restaurant opening up in Cleveland Park right around mid-October. So I'll be joining them as lead bartender and really helping in the ingredient collection department, flavor development, working in the lab over there with Elliot and just really excited to join up with that team and do some things that uh, I've done before, work with ingredients I've worked with before, but in a completely new way. Because as of right now, the things that we're looking at doing in the bar there, making our own ingredients, making our own vermouths, amaros, gins, it's going to be exciting, and uh, it's one of those things where I don't know really what it's going to look like by the time it opens. So it's a fun new adventure. I'm excited. I'll keep you all updated on that. And as always, you can email us liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at liquidgold underscore pod. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone who made this season so amazing with soda talk we even got to talk to a comedian mr brad sativa we talked to him about brunch because that's what you do when you uh, have a comedian on the show we talked chocolate with olive and sinclair with scott we talked a lot of great soda content with darcy o'neill so look forward to having darcy back on the show next season always great talking to wise canadians whenever you can we will not have a huge break here just a couple days we might even be back next week with the season premiere we'll see how it develops but we'll be back very soon here in the next week or two with the season premiere of season four have a great weekend hold on to summer while you can my name's mike wolf we will see you next time and next season right here on liquid gold cheers everybody